fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. Around the world. This This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. Or if this is your first time listening to or watching the podcast, you are going to love what we talk about here. Here's what's coming up in this week's show. Hey, my name is John Weinberg. I'm going to help you improve massively your follow-up plan to get a lot more customers and get a lot more of your current leads and prospects interested in actually wanting to buy from you because you've actually built a relationship with them. And I'm going to teach you how to give them pure value that will make them beg to work with. And on top of that interview with John, at the end of this week's episode, we're also going to be talking about KPIs, the key performance indicators that matter the most. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Now, I've got to start this first bit with a bit of a a public information warning. In the next five minutes or so, you may make the decision to stop watching certain videos on YouTube. You may take the decision to stop reading specific websites. You may even make the decision in the next few minutes to cancel some of your friends. Let me explain why. In the next few minutes, I'm going to explain how your brain processes information and why if you want to be a truly successful MSP owner, you've got to be very, very strict what you put in your brain. You see, we have this amazing piece of technology within our heads. I don't just mean our brains. I mean inside our brains. We have something called the reticular activating system. Now, what this system does, let's call it the RAS. The RAS, what it does is it acts as a sensory filter for us. Because if you think about the sheer amount of information that's coming into our brains all the time, I don't mean all your notifications and your emails and the, you know, the kind of the information from just work and life. I mean all of our sensory information. You think of all the things you're touching, hearing, smelling and seeing especially we get most of our sensory information through our eyes have i missed one there tasting Mm, that one as well all of that sensory information if we had to physically actively deal with it we literally wouldn't have any time to live our lives would we if you think just how much information is coming in all the time so I guess over thousands of years, our brain developed a mechanism to filter all of our sensory information for us. This is the RAS, the Reticular Activating System, which by the way, it does have some other functions as well, but I'm primarily looking at this one. You see, the RAS acts as a relevance filter. It will determine whether or not a piece of information is relevant to you and whether or not it should pass on that information to your active conscious brain. This is why you can, for example, drive to a brand new city, somewhere you've not been to before, and within minutes of entering that city, you'll spot an advert or a van or a sign somewhere for another IT support company because your RAS, it understands that IT support is really important to you. And so it's flagging it up and it's alerting you. It's telling your conscious brain over there, there's something about IT support. 
What it's not doing is telling you about that dentist's office that you just drove past. It's not telling you about that lawyer's office. It's not alerting you to that advert for a new moisturizer because none of these things are of interest to you. They are not relevant to you, to you so you don't perceive them. So you're kind of clear on how that works. It's a very, very basic thing and we don't really have a direct control over it other than the things that we are interested in. The more you consume, our brain's a bit like an algorithm really, isn't it? Like a social media algorithm. The more you consume of something, the greater the programming it has on your reticular activating system. Now, let me, right at the beginning, I said that you may make a decision to stop reading certain websites or watching videos or even fire a friend. Can you see how the link I'm about to make between what I've just told you and those people? You see, if you hang out with negative people, if you read bad news, and let's be honest, there's a lot of bad news around about the, at the moment, isn't there, about the economy and just general bad news. If you watch negative videos on YouTube, things that feed your brain. This is the message that your reticular activating system is getting. In fact, there is a, an American motivational speaker and entrepreneur called Jim Rohn. Go and look his stuff up because his stuff is excellent, very positive stuff. And he once said that you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. Now you think about that. Who are the five people that you spend the most time with? What are the video channels or the TV channels that you spend the most time watching? What are the websites and the blogs that you spend the most time consuming? These things, these things are programming your reticular activating system. If you constantly read negative news, then you will perceive more and more negative news because you're programming your reticular activating system to go out and look for it. And I know there's plenty of negative news out there because that's what sells news. That's what sells eyeballs. I was a journalist and a radio presenter for 10 years back in the day. And it's something you learn on day three at journalism schools that bad news sells more newspapers. People are more inclined to consume bad news than they are good news, which is another psychological reason because basically we're programmed to look out for danger. So we see uh, bad news as danger. But you and me, as ambitious business owners, we don't have and we shouldn't have the headspace for negativity. Of course, we've got to be aware of things that are happening, but that just to be aware of them doesn't mean that we need to consume a ton of negative stuff. We don't have to throw ourselves into the sea of negativity when actually there's so much good news out there. I mean, take your choice of business. You know, you're running an MSP. It's one of the best business models in the world, in one of the most recession-proof industries in the world, where change is so constant, there's nothing but opportunity all the time. And I know a tiny number of MSPs fail and just can't make it, but that's a tiny number. You know, there aren't many business sectors where you can be really bad at marketing, really bad at growing your business, but so long as the technical work is okay, you'll win some clients and you'll keep those clients for a very long time. That doesn't happen anywhere else. This is the kind of positivity I mean. If you want to be a truly, truly successful business owner, you've got to feed your relevance filter with the right stuff, positive stuff. It's the only way is to fill your mind with positive stuff. Let me give myself a very quick 
early uh, free plug for something else that can help you. I have a YouTube channel which is full of positive content. It's all highly entertaining stuff about how to grow and market your MSP. That's one of the channels you should be spending more time on. In fact, go and subscribe to it and hit the bell notification thing so that you get notifications when I uh, release new videos. And that's at youtube.com slash MSP marketing. No negative stuff guaranteed. Here's this week's clever idea. Let's talk about KPIs, key performance indicators. And I have five marketing KPIs to give to you. Now, far too many MSPs, in my view, discover KPIs one day and go, oh, look, I've got a new cool dashboard in my PSA. Or they'll go and get an app and realize they can use APIs to drive KPIs. That kind of rhymes, doesn't it? APIs to use the KPIs into the dashboard. And suddenly they're, they're tracking like 50 or 60 different KPIs. For me, Doing KPIs properly means actually having the smallest number of KPIs that you can. Just because you can track a thousand different figures doesn't mean that you should track a thousand different figures. And I try not to talk too much about technical KPIs. I'm not a technical person. We don't really do technical stuff on this podcast. Although, although as an aside, if you go back to episode uh, 169, um, we had on Jason Kemsley from Uptime Solutions, who did give some technical KPIs. It was how many tickets each line of technicians should be able to process and also the average number of tickets you should get for each user that you are supporting. So go back to episode 169 for those technical KPIs. But here I just want to focus on marketing KPIs. Let me tell you the five most important marketing KPIs in my opinion. The first of them is the number of leads that you generate. Now I need to just explain exactly what I mean by a lead and sort of where it fits into the sales funnel. So I see a lead as anyone who is in your audiences. And let me just remind you, maybe you've never heard this before, of the three-step marketing strategy that I recommend for all MSPs, because that explains what audiences are. So the first step of the strategy is to build multiple audiences of people to listen to you. Typically for an MSP, that's your LinkedIn connections, your LinkedIn newsletter subscribers, and your email database. The second step is to then build a relationship with them, which you do through content marketing. And the third step is then to commercialize that relationship. So if we go back up to that first step of building multiple audiences. All those people you're connected to on LinkedIn, all those people who are subscribed to your emails, they are all leads. And the goal should be to have thousands of them. You want as many leads as you can possibly get. Well, as many of the right kind of people. You don't just want numbers for the sake of it, but people who could go on to become prospects and clients. You want as many of those as possible. Now, if you do start a KPI tracking this, the temptation is to track a number of emails and the number of LinkedIn connections and the number of Twitter followers or whatever you're doing. I would just bundle them all in and just call them leads. And I know there's going to be some cross-pollination. You will get someone who is on your email database and they're connected to you on LinkedIn and they follow you on Twitter. You know, you could sit there and drive yourself crazy trying to dedupe it. Or you could just simply just throw these numbers all together and say, how many leads did we generate this week? This week, uh, adding up seven new followers here, five new connections there, and three join the email list, blah, 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 blah. Great, we got 15 new leads this week. That's a key figure to track. 
and it directly leads on to the next statistic, which is how many of those people turn into prospects. So in the sales funnel, you have leads, you have prospects, then you have opportunities, and then you have clients. So leads is, as we say, all those people in the audiences. Prospects is when someone starts a one-to-one conversation with you. So essentially, they have inquired in some way or you've you've picked up an inquiry with them. And uh, the strategy under the three-step marketing strategy that I recommend, my recommendation is always that your, your first step is actually, if someone going from being a lead to being a prospect, is having a 15-minute video call with you. That's a great first step for everyone because actually it's a very, it's, it's a low risk. It's 15 minutes for them, 15 minutes for you. Uh, it, you know, people are, people will give up 15 minutes for a video call to explore something. Of course, the real purpose of that 15-minute call is for you to A, qualify this person and see if they are a good opportunity or whether they're potentially a time waster, uh, and B, to get them engaged with you by talking about their favorite subject. And their favorite subject is themselves and their business. So first KPI to track then was the number of leads. The second KPI to track is the number of prospects. And that would typically be uh, shown by the number of new people who've, who've had their first Zoom with you or their first Teams call or whatever video call they have with you. Zoom is better though, just my opinion. Uh, so what's how many people, how many of my leads have had their first prospect call? So if you have a second or a third or a fourth video call with someone, that, that doesn't count. That's not, a, that's not a useful KPI. What you want to know is how many of the leads have turned into prospects. And so for the average MSP, it's you know on a weekly basis it's going to be somewhere between zero to one. If you're doing more than one or two uh, introductory video calls with someone a week, where where you know essentially you're ascertaining if if the thing they think they want to buy or the the, the conversation they want to have is actually an opportunity, then then you're doing well because most MSPs can go or some MSPs can go weeks and weeks without having those conversations. Then the next KPI, then number three of five is actually how many sales meetings you have. So the purpose of doing those video calls is actually to book a proper meeting, a proper sales meeting. The What happened in 2020 where everyone, everyone went to Zoom for the, you know, and, and suddenly the whole world was operating by Zoom or by video call, that's allowed us to insert that video call step because it is now normal. In fact, it's, let's be honest, you and I, we probably have more video meetings than we do actual real life meetings, which is not how it was for many people in 2019. For many, it was the other way around. So we've inserted that video call step just for efficiency, for engagement, but that's a track. So you can track, you're tracking how many leads, uh, that you've generated, you're tracking how many of those turn into prospects, that first video call, and then you track how many sales meetings. And again, if you if you have four physical, real-life sales meetings with the same prospect, you don't record that four times. It's, it's the first time. That's the only useful KPIs. How many people have we had a first sales meeting with? So I would expect you to see, you know, a number like you might generate 10 or 15 new leads. You might then generate one vi- or maybe two video calls Calls out of that. Actually, that's, that would be a pretty good conversion rate. But you know, you, you you would have, for example, it might take two or three video calls to have one sales meeting. You certainly wouldn't have a hundred percent of those video calls turning 
into actual meetings because some of them will be time wasters uh, in some way. Then the next conversion uh, to track, then it's KPI to track. This is the fourth one is, of course, number of clients. Uh, and that's the one that we're most interested in. That's the true outcome. When people talk about improving their marketing, what they really mean is how do I get more new clients? How do I get those clients to spend more money? That's that's the outcome that everyone wants. The only reason you're listening to this podcast is for that outcome. And then the final KPI to track is, is a slightly curveball one, but I think actually this is one of the most critical, which is monthly recurring revenue by seat. So we've got here, we've got number of leads, uh, number of video call meetings, number of real life meetings, number of clients won. Those are the first four. And then the fifth and most important KPI to track is monthly recurring revenue by seat. You see, marketing is split into those two things. It's winning new clients, but then secondly, it's growing those clients. It's getting them to choose to buy more from you. It's getting them to choose to spend more with you. And you've got to focus almost as much attention on growing your existing clients and what they're worth to your business as you do on actually getting new clients in the first place. And that means focusing on your strategic reviews, doing things like the profit matrix, technology roadmaps, so many cool tools that are around and you can find details of them on my website, paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Just go to the learning hub and there's tons of help there on all of these things. But there are your five KPIs to track. That last one is the ongoing one with all of the clients. Which of these do you track in your MSP? Go on, drop me an email and let me know. And it's the real me at the other end. And I will reply to you as I reply to every email from every listener of this podcast. My email address is hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Paul's. Paul's blatant plug. I tell you, never mind emailing me if you wanted to interact with me and a load of other MSPs who all want to improve their marketing. We have a free Facebook group and it is strictly only for MSPs. There's not a single vendor in there. We screen everyone who applies to join to make sure that they are actually an MSP. And I'm in that group every single day. So if you want to come and join us and talk about growing your business, getting more new clients, generating more revenue, go onto Facebook, type in MSP marketing, and then go to groups, and I'll see you in there. The big, big, big interview. Hey, my friend, my name is John Weberg. I help MSP businesses grow and improve their follow-up and so much more. And I just love helping out and giving people value they can use and scale with. And every now and again, as I'm just talking to people and looking around at different websites and different resources, I come across people who seem to be really intelligent, really smart, and who seem to know exactly what they're talking about. And John, you fit absolutely into that category. So thank you so much for joining me here on the show. Now, I want to talk about two primary things with you. The first of those is mm -hmm. offers in terms of what yep. can MSPs do to make their services and what they offer to their, their prospects, how can they make it more enticing? And then I want to talk about follow-up as well, because I believe that most MSPs have a follow-up failure. So we'll come on to that later on. But before we talk about both of these things, do you want to just sort of give us a recap of you and your career and what you've done and the fun that you've had in marketing over the last few years? <laughs> For sure. It has been an amazing journey. I got started out pretty rough, though. Uh, my family has a very poor financial background that we actually turned to starting businesses to get out of. And ever since I was actually around 13, 14 years old, that's when I got started in business. My dad, I'm a second generation marketer. My dad got me into it. Ever since then, it's all I've done. Um, 
and it started out as doing simple affiliate marketing and eventually now, you know, speaking on stages, um, being on some pretty great podcasts and just doing a lot more actual business, what I would call. Um, and now I just love teaching people, educating people on how to better their MSPs, any other business model, how to optimize them, grow them and see a lot more profit and higher ROI. And how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. I'm now 24. So I've been doing it for about 10 years now. And actually 10 years of hands-on marketing, I think is, is 20, 30, 40 times more valuable than a, than a marketing degree. And I'm not knocking anyone that has a marketing degree. I don't. I suspect mm -hmm. you don't either. Um, but if you've been in nope. there in, in the trenches, you know, sleeves rolled up. I think marketing is one of those things, probably like IT, that y yes, you learn an enormous amount from watching course you know doing courses watching videos but you you learn just as right. much from getting your hands dirty and just jumping in and and doing it so um just describe for us just in case as any 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 of our audience isn't quite aware what this is they may have heard the term before but perhaps not realize what it is what is affiliate marketing and how do you actually make money from it so affiliate marketing is basically just promoting other people's products services it could be b2b it could be b2c you name it and referring in customers to them and getting a commission for referring them those sales. Um, I've done that extensively throughout my career. And then I've transitioned from doing affiliate marketing, which whether no matter the industry or niche, anyone who's listening to this is in a lot of marketing and sales and follow up and what we're talking about applies regardless of the industry. So I've taken what I learned in affiliate marketing and now I'm applying it to other business models as well. Yeah, in fact, the reason I, I zeroed in on affiliate marketing, it's not something I've personally ever done, but I, I know people who've made a fortune in, in affiliate marketing. And I, I suspect that's a lot harder today because of that landscape changed a few years ago. But the, the way that you got yep, good yep. at affiliate marketing, and you please tell me if I've got this correct, John, is you've got to be really good at driving traffic. You've got to be really good at optimizing every single thing that you do. And you, you, you've got to be able to understand the basic you know, mechanics of marketing, which is if you spend $10 uh, to, to generate, you know, $20 of revenue, you've won. Whereas if you if you spend $20 to generate $10 of revenue, you've lost. And so I think from what I've seen of affiliate marketing over the years, there are actually some incredibly good business and marketing lessons in there. I think extensively what has helped my business and all businesses in general the most has been follow up. What we've done really well and what we always advise on for follow up has helped us get around. We've estimated the affiliate marketing stuff I do. I'm business partners with my father, Richard Weberg. Um, we've gotten about an 8.4 times ROI. Like I, I have a whole case study on it. We've achieved very high ROI and, and it's because of what, what most businesses do, whether it's B2B, B2C, you name it, is one, lack of any follow-up in general. As we all know, a lot of people don't follow up. Lack of follow-up from a variety of sources. So not just maybe calling a client, maybe texting a client, messaging a client, messaging other connected prospects to that client to try to get a way in or another avenue of communication. Um, and also the true value of follow-up, what follow-up is actually meant to do is it's actually meant to actually continue building a relationship and actually helping the customer. You're not following up with someone to get them to buy. You're following up with them to give them value and give them something they can actually use. And because they see that value, then they actually want to buy from you. So it's it's done wrong. And I think we do it right. And I that's why I love talking about it because follow-up, there's so many different things you can do to make sure you land any client you want. Um, it's... It's where a lot of the money is, is in the follow-up 
So let's drill down into that and let's see if we can get to some practical stuff. So as you know, most MSPs, when they've won a client, obviously their relationship uh, go, you know, goes stratospheric because they're, they're, they're having multiple contact points with the, with the clients. There are things like strategic yep. reviews and, and or quarterly business reviews, depending on what you call them. So, so if, we, if we put aside <laughs> sort of upselling to clients, because mo- most MSPs, um, uh, as, as we acknowledge, you know, don't have a huge number of clients, but they have great numbers of contact with those clients. The, the, where I think most MSPs have follow-up failure is when they generate leads, they don't do a lot with those leads. <laughs> when those leads turn into prospects, and so just just sort of defining for the audience, a lead is someone that you that is following you in some way. They're in your audience. They're connected to you on LinkedIn. They're in your email database. They're subscribed to you on YouTube. Yep. That's a lead. You can have thousands and should have thousands of leads. Most MSPs don't do enough with those. They definitely don't do enough with prospects. So a prospect is someone who is in some way has put their hand up and said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about." whatever that xyz whatever that thing is Uh, and they certainly don't do enough i know far too many msps who have follow-up failure when they've actually put a proposal in so they'll go to a meeting they'll spend hours talking to someone putting a a bespoke proposal together putting it in and then they'll they'll do one follow-up call like six weeks later so so let's take um let's let's take all of those three scenarios and talk us through some if, if you run an MSP, what would you do differently or what would be the perfect thing that, that you would aim to do in those scenarios? If I had my own MSP business, here's what I would do exactly. And I can guarantee any MSP that does this, you will see a lot higher profits within doing this for a, a few days. Number one, any client, say you're on a call, uh, you're talking with them or again, whether they've, they've really just shown incredible amount of interest and they just end up at some point saying no they aren't interested if possible have some other product or service to possibly downsell them so not not upselling necessarily but downsell them if you can you try again you follow up again you keep doing everything you can you just cannot get them to say yes to just put their money in and invest you need to make sure you are selling them some other product or service because no matter what your job for any prospect or lead is to, again, still provide value and have them as well because you're in business, spend money with you. Number two, something that people, very few people who talk about follow-up define what what giving value is. Because we often think value is giving them a a PDF or an ebook or some kind of training or a course or a, a business presentation, you name it. I believe value and how you need to follow up whether you're an MSP or any other business, you name it. There's three different things you can do in everything, all communication, all follow-up to leads or prospects or even customers. You have three kinds of content. Stuff that entices, so deals, discounts, things like that. Stuff that entertains, so it could be like an entertaining video of jokes, you know, like almost like a TikTok video, but with um, ways you're going to help them grow their business. You have to be creative. So there's enticing, entertaining, um, and educating content, educating contents, how to do this, why this is the best for you. So what you want to do is most often businesses, they only follow up with one form. Hey, this is going to help you do this. It's really great for you. It's going to, you know, I'm just speaking off the top of my head, but they lead with benefits, benefits and how great your stuff is, or, or just watch this presentation. It'll get you there. You have to follow up from enticing, educating, and entertaining content. Because whether it's B2B, whether you're MSP, whether it's B2C, you name it, 
you have to actually, what, what people miss out on in all business is build an actual relationship with your prospects, leads, and customers. If you do that, they will buy from you because they actually trust you. In order to build that trust, you have to illustrate you care from a variety of viewpoints because what people also don't understand and why a lot of follow-up doesn't work that people do is because they think that people are just the same. If I follow up in this one way, it's going to convert most of the time. But just like as you learn maybe in high school or college or just in life, there are a variety of different kinds of people who view information differently. You know, some people are more analytical. Some people are more emotional. Some people want facts and figures. Some people want storytelling. So in all follow-up, if you can use those three different ways to follow up, what you're going to do is you're going to see a lot higher amount of people buying from you or jumping on calls with you because you're actually relating with every possible way to relate with the leader prospect. Because again, if you're doing a little bit of storytelling, you have some jokes in, in, in the copy you're using or in any of your messaging, if you're entertaining them, enticing them, if you're educating them with how to do this, how this is actually gonna help you providing value like that, you're using all these different things, you'll actually, again, build the actual relationship with the customer and they'll be actual thankful that you're not just selling to them because your job isn't to sell. Another big misconception, your job is to help. And by helping, they build trust. By building trust, they buy. What you're essentially saying in, in fixing follow-up failure is just communicate more with people and build more trust with people. And and th this is this is exactly what I've been saying to MSPs for years, which is the you know the the MSP in a marketplace that that really stands out that uh, that wins a, a disproportionate amount of sales is the MSP that markets yep. more, that communicates more, and that builds trust. And and you know we yep. we, we I have a, a standard three-step marketing strategy that um, I recommend to all MSPs. Number one is to build multiple audiences of people to listen to you. Number two is to build a relationship with them. And then number three is to commercialize that relationship. And it's that middle step is exactly what you and I have both been talking about there, which is building relationship through through content, through through communications. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 so you, you work with all different types of businesses. And obviously, the, yep. the actual work that MSPs do is unique and is different in, in, a, in a very highly rapidly changing environment. But the way that MSPs can right. sell it is, is pretty much the same as, as, as any B2B business, right? What you said there is really key. You're not selling, you're, you're building relationships. Because whether it's B2B, whether it's B2C, you're always talking to a person. You're always talking to a person on the other end, who, again, reacts like, Everyone else with human psychology, they only buy from people they trust. They need to trust you. They need to trust the product or service. They need to trust the company that you're representing or th that's yours either way. It's really about mainly relationship building. And actually, I would say counterintuitive to what most people say is, you know, putting the numbers, putting the numbers, get as many leads, get as many prospects as possible. I find much a much better return from focusing on, on truly providing as much value from a lot smaller a lead base or prospect base because then again you're focusing on truly actually helping people as crazy as that sounds if you actually help people will actually want to buy from you um so when you focus that that seriously heavily on that they will want to buy from you naturally because they actually feel obligated to because you've shown so much love to them this guy actually knows what he's talking about he's willing to put in the work to help me I, I'm interested, at least very, very minimally interested. I love this. It's, but we should label this "be nice marketing." Uh, we, we've just invented a whole new category there. I, I call it human marketing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I call it human marketing because that's what it is. Just, just treat people like actual people. Wow.
that's what works best anyway. If you produce high quality videos that people are interested in and want to watch, then, then your YouTube channel is going to do well. And it's exactly the same as Google has been doing the same thing with websites yep. for years. And of course, Google owns YouTube. It's, it's the same philosophy. And people got, it's, uh, so right. about 10, 10, 15 years ago, people got lost in search engine optimization of, oh, you've got to have your meta tags and you've got to keyword stuff. And you've got, and basically, people were trying <laughs> to trick Google with link farms and all sorts of things like that. And then what's happened is Google has, has over the years, removed the tricks. And now, the, the general advice, when someone says to me, how do I get more traffic on my website? I say, you create original, interesting content that humans want to read. And there is no shortcut yep. for that. And you could probably use AI to speed it up, artificial intelligence. But it's right. that that's ultimately what it's about. And that, that we're, we're talking about all the same thing here. Okay, final question for you, John. And then we'll, we'll just find out a little bit more about what you do to help MSPs. Final question mm-hmm. is, if you had $1,000 and only $1,000 and you had to spend that to uh, to win a new client for your MSP, your fictitious MSP, which you've just set up, how would you invest that $1,000? Number one, MailChimp or any other autoresponder CRM, I would first get that account set up, make sure I have the prospects or prospect that I want, that I'm, I'm deciding that I want to work with. Number two, I would thoroughly research and take a look at any way I can possibly help them that stand out to me by um, chatting with them by multiple, also multiple contact points. So I wouldn't just reach out to uh, someone who would be the decision maker for a deal possibly. I would reach out to between three to five different people in the organization. Um, again, not, not, not pitching, not asking for a business presentation, nothing like that. Just being, how can I provide value to you? How can I help you? I've seen some things that I can maybe give to you for free. Number number two, three, I would say, other than just contacting, really focusing on, on also maybe even doing videos in any communication, whether I email them, whether I'm texting them, you name it. Videos are very powerful. Mm. Um, I would also, if I really want to land a particular client, I would be sending them stuff in the mail. If I could, if I could have their address, for example, or use something to get their address, I'd be sending them gift baskets. I'd be sending different. Uh, there's some different ways you can send mail that is very presentative or uh, entertaining that gets people like, wow. Um, I have a really good friend, Ryan Allaire. Uh, he does a lot of direct mail marketing uh, for MSPs that are looking to work with people who do direct mail, possibly uh, someone you should contact, and. They've sent, for example, if they wanted to land a baseball client or a sports client, they spend them sports memorabilia. You know, if they mm. want to land a, a food company as a client, they, you know, they use a variety of different ways that relate to what the businesses or the business they want to work with, what they're doing in their industry and niche, and send them gifts with a possible presentation, with a pamphlet, with a brochure, with something to get someone interested, along with just, oh, this person sent me. Maybe someone smokes cigars. They, oh, they yeah. sent me cigars. Maybe I know this person drinks whiskey. That you know, you have to do research into your clients, find out what they like, love, or want help with, or the problems they have. And I would send them. I would spend some serious, decent money because the the more uh, lucrative the gift, the more you're really going to grab someone's attention. Um, so that would probably be my my main approach: is follow up and and contact them from a variety of sources. So it could be, again, messaging, texting, calling, you name it. It would be following up with, and again, enter, entertaining, enticing, educating content as well. 
Here's this. I would keep following up daily if possible, or at least every other day. I would send stuff to their to the door. Um, and just what you want to do is, is show and do everything you can to show the client you care the most and that you are serious about landing them as a customer. Yeah. Um, one approach I've even done in this communication with clients is literally saying, hey, I, I'm willing to do anything to make this deal work or, or to want to work with you. Tell me what I can do and I will make it happen. I want the best for you. How can we work that out? So just again, human marketing and doing everything possible. How can I impress this person so much? They're begging me to work with them. Yeah, I love this. And and even with the the well-researched, well-thought-out gifts, that's that's within a $1000 budget. There's, you know, there's nothing you've described there that's that's oh, massively totally. expensive, yeah. And and the thing is that if if as an MSP, even if you did just those things, the vast majority of your competitors are not doing a small proportion of those things. No, they're doing almost nothing. They're all doing almost nothing. Exactly, exactly. And it's, 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 you know, you can have 50 MSPs in a town, and 45 of them are not doing any proactive marketing. And, and you know, so, so yep. the other five, just just by the virtue of momentum and the numbers game, just mop up more of the business. And, you know, but it, but it takes time, yep. you, you can't expect to start marketing on Monday, and you get a client on Friday, it simply doesn't work like that in, in massive B2B sales. Right. Another quick thing I want to add to that is, is also, people have MSPs have probably are knowledgeable about customer retention. But there's also something called lead or prospect retention. And what, what this lead or prospect retention is, is, again, you might have a client or customer buy from you, not now, but a year later, two years later, three years later, a prospect might actually want to work with you. So you have to focus on providing value so much that even if they're not going to buy from you now, they're going to down the line because you keep showing when your competition isn't that you're there for them again and again and again and again, you will land the customer. I've had people on my leads list who I recognize their names who've bought from me five years later down the line. Yeah, people buy when they're ready to buy. That's so true. John, thank you so much for your time. Just tell us a little bit more about you. What can you do to, to help us and how can we get in touch with you? For sure. I recommend everyone. I say this and everywhere I'm at, just go to my YouTube channel and learn or go to johnweber.com and learn. I give out a lot of free content, free training, better I would say than most people's courses because I've been and I've created all the courses out there. I know what's good. I know it actually can help people see the largest returns in the shortest amount of time without spending a ton of money. Again, a lot of producing profit with the lowest expenditure possible is a lot of how I've ran my businesses over the years. Um, so go to my YouTube channel, just look up John Weber learn from me, subscribe. And that's all I ask because I just want to keep giving, just like I preach, keep giving value, keep helping people. And maybe some people will eventually become customers. And if they don't, at least I gave to the world and expected nothing in return and just gave to it. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, friends. My name is Joey Coleman. I'm the author of the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. And I'd love to give you two books that I highly recommend that you check out. They're short reads, but they are powerful reads that will impact your business in ways that you can't even imagine. The first one is by my good friend and fellow author and speaker, Neen James. It's called Attention Pays, How to Drive Profitability, Productivity, and Accountability. And it's all about focusing on the key relationships in your business to make sure that you can maximize not only the value that you provide to them, but the value you receive from them as well. 
The second book, in honor of Paul inviting me to be on the show, is by an Englander named Phil Jones, and it's called Exactly What to Say, The Magic Words for Influence and Impact. This is a quick, fast, powerful read that will give you the language you can use to create better connection with your prospects and your customers alike. So pay more attention and know exactly what to say with Attention Pays and Exactly What to Say. Coming up next week. Hi, I'm Mark Wass from Cloud Blue, and I'm going to be on the show next week discussing everything as a service and how managed service providers and service providers out there can provide services to their customers as a subscription and they can start moving and move, turn into them um, aggressive digital service providers. Wherever you listen to or watch this podcast, make sure you subscribe. And if it is YouTube, hit that bell notification so you never miss an episode. Because on top of that interview next week, we're going to be talking about giving yourself a productivity boost by changing your environment. And I've also got three specific press release, media release ideas, ways for you to get free publicity for your MSP. I'll give those to you next week. Don't forget we have a YouTube channel with loads of inspiration to improve your marketing at youtube.com slash MSP marketing. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP, MSP Marketing Podcast.